0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We've been in a series called The Passion, and we're examining the moments leading up to the passion of the Christ, the moments leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, when you come to the end of your life, the things that you do and say carry more weight. It's almost as if you become more intentional. And here we see Jesus in his final moments being very intentional with everything he does and everything he says. And so we meet Jesus and his disciples leaving the Last Supper, and they're heading to the Mount of Olives, to a a garden called Gethsemane. The Bible says, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray." And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me even one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's pray together. God, I pray as I speak, will you speak? We pray right now. This is your moment, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you have a word for us. We thank you, God, that you have not forgotten or abandoned us. So I pray that your presence comes through these words and it enters every household, every mind, every body that hears these words. Thank you, Jesus, that you are for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We find Jesus on the Mount of Olives. This was a place that he had come to just a few days before. This was the place where the triumphal entry took place, where he came over the ridge riding a donkey and the crowds began to shout, Hosanna. This is where they were shouting, deliver us. They were praising and they were celebrating. The atmosphere at that time was so different. It was carefree. They had thought, this is the Messiah. This is the one that's come for us. The crowd actually at this moment had gotten it right. They were waving palm branches. They were laying down their coats before their king, who came in humility. It was an incredible moment, and it seemed as if everything was right in the world. Now, just a few days later, it's as if every single thing has changed. Now he's coming back to the Mount of Olives, but instead of the daytime, it's night. Instead of crowds, he's alone with his disciples. In one moment, in just a few days, everything had shifted. You know, this is kind of where we find ourselves. Just a few short weeks ago, months ago, it was as if we were in a different situation entirely. We had a carefree existence. We were excited and we were, you know, going on vacation and and people were working jobs, and now in just a few short months and weeks and days, everything has shifted. It's as if day has gone to night. It's as if we've gone from the top of the Mount of Olives to the bottom, and here we are, with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We truly are going through a paradigm shift, but I wonder if God could bring something amazing and unique through this paradigm shift. You know, on the surface, it seemed as if all was wrong in the world, and yet God's greater plan was bringing something about that the world desperately needed. Jesus had come to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's called the place of pressing. Because in this location, there was an oil press that was most likely located there, surrounded by olive groves. What would happen is they would take the olives and they would put it in this grindstone. And between two giant rocks, they would crush the tender olive. And from the olive would then flow the olive oil, the anointing oil. The presence would flow from the crushing. Jesus is headed towards the cross. He's about to be betrayed by someone he trusted, by a friend. He's about to be persecuted by sinful people. He's about to be falsely accused, put up on a cross amongst sinful men who deserve to be on that cross, him undeserving. Jesus is about to go through what the olive went through, an intense crushing. And so to prepare for that, he goes to the place of pressing. He goes to the place of where the olive oil is, the oil representing the presence of God. Hear me. It's the crushing that brings the presence. It's the pressure that produces the oil. I hope that this pressure does not destroy you. I hope that this pressure pushes you towards God's presence because it's only pressure that produces oil. Look at what the prophet Isaiah said about Jesus during this time. He speaks of a king that's about to be crushed. He says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our own iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. From the pressing came the presence. From his blood came life. From his crushing came our healing. It was because Jesus chose to endure these things in the garden that we no longer have to accept defeat, but we can allow the pressures of our life and our circumstances, our situations to push us towards the one that has already gone before us. He's already endured these things. I want you to know Jesus is one that understands your struggle. He understands your emotions. He understands exactly what you're going through right now. He's not one that can't relate. He's not one that's a long way off. He's not one that doesn't understand your grief. In fact, Jesus says to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, my soul is sorrowful, even unto death. Jesus experienced emotional turmoil. He he experienced the human condition, our struggle, with what's happening, chaos, what it feels like to be out of control. He he experienced the very pressing in the garden. Bible says in Hebrews, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, with our struggles, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he's without sin. He was tempted and yet he endured. He He was tempted, And yet he overcame. He says, take heart, lift your courage up, for I have overcome the world. I want you to know we serve a victorious king. And just because he went through a difficult time doesn't make him any less victorious. And just because you might be going through a difficult time doesn't mean you have to be defeated or accept that as your identity. No, your identity must be found in Jesus Christ. I pray even as you're going through struggles, you find your an identifying part of this with what Jesus went through. I mean, look at the emotions that he experienced in the garden. We see that he says, I'm so sorrowful. He was depressed. He says, my soul is crushed to the point of death. He was filled with grief. That's depression. Our Savior struggled with depression in a very difficult time. He's not looking down from heaven, unable to understand your battle right now. And I know many of you are even fighting depression. I want you to know, keep fighting. Jesus fought this battle and he won. You can fight this battle and you can win. More than that, Jesus even struggled with anxiety in the garden. The, The Bible actually says that he sweat blood. He was so vexed, he was so overcome with emotion his body was so racked by what was happening that his pores began to sweat blood. This is actually a medical condition called hematridosis. And it's been found, though rare, uh, in cases in other humans. In fact, Leonardo da Vinci writes of a man that he saw before going into battle began to sweat blood because he was so filled with anxiety about the battle that was to come. See, our king is a warrior, and he was about to go into battle. By the way, it was a battle that was going to end in his victory. But even so, he was sweating blood in expectation of what was to come. That only happens in extreme distress. I want you to know, Jesus has experienced the anxiety that you might be experiencing. He's experienced that stress. But as he overcame, we can overcome. As he conquered we can conquer. We are gonna follow his example. We actually see Jesus going through all of this in isolation. He was alone. The crowd was gone. His disciples were a long way off, and they were asleep. And in fact, more than that, even God the Father himself is about to turn his face away from Jesus. For a moment, Jesus is going to experience what you and I, will never have to experience complete and total isolation, not only from man, but from God as well. In that moment when Jesus is on the cross, he shouts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the moment of the crucifixion, Jesus truly was in total isolation from all that loved him and the God that he so loved. But hear me, you and I, will not have to go through that same experience because Jesus took it upon himself in the moment of the cross. And here's our promise. God says to us, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. We get to receive that promise because he was forsaken. We get to be forever accepted. We're followers of Jesus Christ. That means he's our guide. But everyone knows that a good guide has to be someone that's gone to that place before. If your guide doesn't know the way, he's not a good guide. If your guide doesn't know the intricacies of what's going on in any given place, then they can't give you accurate information about it. The guide needs to know more than you. And Jesus, he walked before us. He went through these things so that he could walk with us through these things. So that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because he's with us. We are the followers and he is the guide. When Jesus was finished praying, he came back to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And he says this to them, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here are his instructions to us. This is what we should do, watch and pray, watch and and pray, because you're going to enter into a time that's going to be difficult. And there's going to be a lot of temptations to back down, to let up, to go quiet, to hide, to run. But he's saying, no, I'm, I'm looking for you, my disciple, to engage. I'm looking for you to lean into what's happening, not, not run from what's happening. I want to challenge you, disciples of Jesus, don't sleep now. You are needed right now. Beware the allure of avoidance. I want to speak to the young people, especially the young men right now. Now is not the time to escape to fantasy land. Right now is the time to engage the world to God and engage God to the world. You are needed now more than ever. Your voice is needed now more than ever. Your prayers are needed now more than ever. Don't sleep, watch. Don't stay silent, pray. You are needed by God. And Jesus himself, like he said to his disciples, is saying to you now, can you watch with me? Can you pray with me? Can you, can you not miss this opportunity to engage God and engage your fellow man? All the things we're able to do online, we're able to work online and buy online, Could we lead online? Could we continue to be the church online? I believe that this is a mighty moment, and I pray that we as a church, we don't miss it. We don't sleep through it. We don't run from it. I pray we lean into it, and we begin to help Jesus bring his gospel to the whole world. When Jesus was speaking about the end, he made a promise saying that this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And only after that, then, the end will come. I believe that there will be a revival before the end times. I believe that God will not allow for the end to come until the whole church has been engaged on a global scale. Church, right now is our moment. I wanna challenge you. Turn this pressure into production. You are your own priest. Your house is now the house of God. You are the preacher now, and your page is your pulpit. Your knees are your altar. I pray that you become your own intercessor. You become your own worship leader. You become your own evangelist. I pray that that though they close the church down, I pray that the church mounts up in a brand new way. I pray that we are more effective now than ever before because everyone begins to engage their calling in innovative and creative and God-driven, God-centered ways. Could we lead an evangelism from our bedrooms could we leave and a revival from our basement could we tap into the spirit of God when no one else is there to lead us but you know what we've got our personal relationship with God and right now is the moment to advance the kingdom of God I just want to prophesy church we're not slowing down and we're not backing up Jesus promised to build his church and nothing will stop that and the gates of hell themselves will fall before our advance. And I know that the plan of the enemy will be turned against him. And all of his well-laid schemes will blow up in his face as the church begins to mount up, rise up in faith and in revival. Church, now will be our finest hour. You know, Winston Churchill was speaking on the eve of the Battle of Britain. He he was speaking to a nation that was afraid. And, and he says this Incredible quote to them. He says, let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. I pray that this is the finest hour of the church. And I wanna challenge you. Let's show Jesus to the world. Church, we're not gonna miss this moment. Look at what it says in Ephesians says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. The days are short. Jesus went once again in the garden to pray. And in that moment, he prayed this prayer. He says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You know, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as a model. And in that it says, Thy will be done. And here we see Jesus following his own model. He's praying that if there's another way, let that way happen. That if God can spare him from what he has to go through, he's praying to be spared. But yet in the end, he chooses to allow God's will to be greater than his own will. And this is a moment that every one of us is gonna have to face where we pray to God for what we're hoping for. We pray to God for what we want to see happen. But at the end of the prayer, we have to follow Jesus's method and say, but God, I don't know everything. I maybe shouldn't be in charge. So not my will, but your will. I pray that the cup does pass over us. I pray God's protection is on us. I, I pray he turns this thing around and it's supernatural and it's significant. But if we must go through suffering, let it teach us, let it show us these three things. The first is that we will discover that all suffering is temporary, that God still has a plan, that his plan is greater than our situation, than the moment we find ourselves in. The second thing is, I hope it causes us to reflect on Jesus, that maybe we're going to understand the isolation he went through a little bit more the pain and the emotional dealings that he went through and he endured on the cross for our sake in a brand new way. May we get a brand new revelation of Jesus. And the third thing I hope suffering produces in us is that God gets the glory, that God is shown through us, through our faith, through our prayer, through our response, through our model to everyone else. We're not gonna be perfect. That doesn't mean we don't go through this, but I pray how we go through this brings God glory. Just as the cross brought glory to God, that it lifted men's eyes towards God, so may this situation lift men's eyes towards God. And I wanna declare that God's will will be done. Just as Jesus declared, thy will be done, so we declare, thy will be done. Many of you know the Lord's Prayer. The prayer that Jesus gave us. And I want us to pray it together, collectively, right where you're at. Will you just read along? Say it out loud. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. The good news is this story doesn't end in the garden of Gethsemane. There actually is another garden. It's called the garden tomb. And when Jesus was crucified on that cross and taken down, he was buried in a tomb located in a garden. What a beautiful picture that there is now an empty tomb surrounded by life. There was supposed to be death, but all around it is life. It's the picture that God wanted to show us will be our truth. Because of his death, we will flourish. Because of his tomb, we will be resurrected. Because of his crucifixion and affliction and persecution, because of his death, he will bring life and life more abundantly to us. No, this story is not over, and your story is not over. It doesn't end in the Garden of Gethsemane. It ends in the Garden of Eden. It ends with reconnection with Jesus. It ends when we are caught up with him, and he recognizes us, and we recognize him. He is our Lord and our Savior and our friend, and because of what he endured, he's able to wipe away every tear from our eye. He will turn our mourning into dancing. He will turn our sickness into healing, and we will be together with him in a place that he prepared for us forever. Because of his crucifixion, we receive life. Because of his crushing, we receive the oil, the presence of God. Just wanna encourage you, defeat, It's not your destiny. It's not your conclusion. Jesus says, take heart, for I've overcome. And because he's overcome, we will overcome. I wanna encourage you with this verse. It says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Hear me, Jesus came to bring life into your body, life into your mind, and life into your home. And I pray during this pressing season that this pressure pushes you towards the presence of God. Because in the presence, there's fullness of joy. In the presence, there's liberty. In the presence of Jesus, there's mercy. There's grace. There's help in your time of need. The presence is so good. And the pressing produces the presence. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.